Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. Before we jump into prayer real quick, I want to encourage you, uh, we are in this series, summer series, through the book of Colossians. And I told first service this, and I hope it didn't come across incorrectly, but I got to tell you, being, being a pastor is one of the most selfish jobs. And here's what I mean by that. I get paid to study the word of God. I get paid to get broken down by the Holy Spirit. And I would invite you, and I know that none of you are going to probably do the, the studying maybe, or the just sitting in scripture on, for hours on end, but I would really, really encourage you. We're only through chapter one today, and there's still two, three, and four. Would you join us in this journey reading through the book of Colossians? If you're not, if you don't have a study plan that you're reading through the Bible or reading the Bible on a daily basis, or a consistent basis, I encourage you, would you just read with us? This has been powerful um, for me, even in this last week. And, and if my job is to help shepherd or to help lead you all into one biblical literacy, but also transformation, I mean, that's, that's our mission statement is we exist to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And I would invite you to join us in this because even for myself, it is transforming me from the inside out, walking intensely through scripture. Um, and I'm not saying that you guys need to be doing the whole in-depth board studies and everything like that, but man, would you join us in this? But anyways, before we go into scripture today, would you join me in prayer? Father, we love you and we praise you. We sing, hallowed be your name. And God, we do ask right now that your kingdom would be a reality inside this church, that your spirit would fill this room, that it would break down our hearts, break open our hearts to receive you. Lord, would you just fill me right now? Would every word that I use be an overflow of everything that you've done in my life? May my words be your words. I pray over our, our children's department right now in the Sunday school classes for our teenagers. God, would you just be over this place? Fill us now. Give us the assurance of your presence. We love you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we are continuing in our series through Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 1, starting in verse 24 today. If you want to open your Bibles uh, and join me there, chapter 1, starting in verse 24. You know, one of the great things about um, living with family nearby is that when things happen, you can call them on the phone and they'll come right to help you out. Well, just the other week, I was doing an outdoor project. My wife, Emily, has surrounded our house with plants and flowers, and she likes to go out and water them in the mornings. Well, for the longest time now, um, our back spigot hadn't been working. So we've had to take the front spigot and hook up two hoses, and she was having to drag them all the way around to the other side of the house. And, and she asked me one day if there was any way we could get that back spigot fixed. I'm like, yeah, we, as the husband, I can do that, yes. And uh, so the first thing I did was I called Darren. And, um, but Darren didn't pick up. So I'm like, okay, now it's really on me. Um, and she went off to the grocery store or something. I forget what she was doing. I'm like, I'm going to get it done in this time. So I start doing the first thing anybody would do. 
YouTube videos. And I'm watching these YouTube videos, and of course they're on twice the speed, because who's got time to listen to the entire thing? And I'm trying to gather as much information as I can. The first one had one solution, so I tried that solution, and guess what? Didn't work. Okay, moving on to the next one. Watched the second video, didn't really care for him. He was boring. So I moved on to a third video. By the time I got to the third video, I'm like, I gotta figure something out. And the third video, man, it, it made the most sense. I'm like, this is it. Here we go. So I go down there, and it said, twist the spigot right off. Well, shoot, had I known that, I would have done that on my own. So I go down there, and, well, it seems pretty tight. So I just, I put all my muscle into this thing, and, whoosh, and it breaks off. I'm like, all right, that must have been rust. That's what was keeping it nice and tight on there. So I proceed to try to screw it off, and I'm, well, it's not coming. And then I start thinking to myself, I don't know if I was supposed to do that. And I go down to the crawl space, and I'm, I find the water pipe, and I'm looking at it, and I start twisting it and I'm like that was not supposed to happen that's not supposed to be doing what it's doing and I realized at this moment I've broken the water pipe fortunately I had the water turned off but so I hadn't quite clarified it yet so just to prove my hypothesis I go over to the main water shut off turn it back on cross oh that's back off okay all right now well we're we've been working outside well, Emily and I, and we're sweaty, we're dirty. She's got a trip early the next morning. We had our evening planned out, scheduled out to make sure that we could take showers and go to bed early. And now we have no running water. I'm not in the greatest headspace at this point in time. So I do the next best thing. I call my dad. And my dad, he's, he comes on his way and he gets there and uh, I'm freaking out. And he is so calm. Sometimes it's just annoying how calm my dad is. And he is just so calm, and he just reminds me. Ace is open. That's right. Ace is open. And, and at this point in time, Dan had called me back. He told me the part that I needed. I'm like, what am I doing here? So I get in the car with my dad, and we go to Ace, and we get there. It was like a 10-minute fix. It was wonderful. And my dad was calm the entire time. And my dad's one of those guys where he... After he helps, inevitably, one of either me or one of my siblings, we say, thanks, Dad. And he just looks at us, the pleasure's mine. Now, I don't know if that's just condescending or if that's actually, like, being sincere. No. He's being sincere in it. He's being so sincere. And he, it's just this wonderful thing. The, the pleasure is mine. He was so calm. And I tell you what, when I, when I realized that Ace Hardware was still open, that I could fly over there and get the part that I needed, it was as if I was already experiencing the victory of a fixed problem. It was amazing. The, 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 the water pipe wasn't fixed yet, but I knew what was coming. And I got to celebrate that victory right then. Ha! Oh, thank you. And so often in our Christian walks, in our lives, we have broken water pipes. Sometimes they come flooding out because we didn't think about turning the water off first. Sometimes it's just that annoying leak that if we just don't look at it, it's not real. We can just ignore it. We have these issues, these problems, seasons that are disheartening, discouraging, painful. And we try to will everything to be okay. We tell ourselves everything's going to be okay, but inside we are falling apart. And in these moments, these seasons, as Christians, I wonder, like, what is our reaction supposed to be? 
You know, as Christians, we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. So as Christians, we know that we have this future hope called heaven. One day. And so we just, we just stumble our way through life. Waiting. Just waiting. And, we, and for those of us who are saying, Lord, come now. If there's a time you're going to come, God, just come now. I can't go a step further. We just come now. And I wonder, is this all there is for us? As Christians, as humans, we go through seasons that are struggling, of, of struggling, of pain, of confusion, of, of all sorts of different difficult times. There's just no human that doesn't know difficulty. And the world has all of its reactions, everything that they want to do. And, and so often we look just like them, stumbling through life, just waiting until we can find some relief. That makes me wonder, like, as Christians, though, those of us who are supposed to be called apart, set apart, we're God's chosen and holy ones. Is this all there is? Are we just waiting for a victory to come in the future? Or is there victory now? Is there victory in the present? In the same way that I was able to, yes, ace is open. Is there an opportunity for us to be in the midst of our broken water pipe? Is there an opportunity for us to be, I don't like this, but, I can still praise God. I can still have victory. The question we have to ask ourselves today, is there victory for the present? Or are we just stumbling and waiting for the future? Is there victory for the present? As we continue into the series of Colossians, Paul is doing the very thing that my dad did for me. Paul comes in, and he's writing to this church of Colossae and he's, and he's addressing insecurities and confusions and pains and doubts. This church, who knows what they're walking through, but he, he just knows that he needs to fill them up. So he comes onto the scene and he says, Ace is open. Don't freak out. Ace is open. There is evidence that there's a victory meant to be had today. Not just post-death, not just when Jesus comes back and we're all praying. No, no, no. There is victory to be had today. And as we continue, we get six verses, 24 to 29. There are three pieces of evidence that I want to walk us through of Paul's life that demonstrate, no, no, no. Victory isn't just for the future. Victory is today. Victory is now. Much more than just this Christianese language of saying, yeah, I have faith in Jesus. Woohoo! No. So that when we sing these songs in worship, we can mean every word of them. And it's a form not only of discipleship, because all of a sudden when people see us celebrating victory in the midst of our life, hitting the proverbial fan, they look at us and they say, I want to be like them. I want to have my life emulated like them so that I can celebrate and rejoice in the midst of pain as well. But it's also a form of evangelism. So we have discipleship over here when we're celebrating from a place of victory. But we also have evangelism because when our lives are going nuts and we are still celebrating and rejoicing and saying God is good and the world sees us, they see God's glory being lived through our lives. And we have a testimony to bear forth more than just words saying God's good, God's good. No, no, no. We sing God's good, but our lives demonstrate it. And so today, wherever you are at, 
I pray that you would know that whatever season you are walking through, painful times, confusion, whatever may come or has come, that you would know there is reason to rejoice. For your sake, the sake of those around you, and for the sake of every unbeliever you come into touch with. So today we're in Colossians chapter 1. Would you join me there? Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24. Paul says this, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. That's you and me. We are the church today. Verse 25, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, one of the things that we need to know real quick about Paul, Paul was once a Pharisee. And by Pharisee, I mean he was a religious leader that had everything that he could possibly want. He lived a life of superiority. He lived a life of power. He had it made for him. And it's so incredibly conspicuous that when he opens this verse up and he says, Now I rejoice in my suffering. I mean, here's a man that when someone disagreed with him, he would have them killed. When he was thinking that somebody wasn't believing the correct thing and they were saying the wrong things, he's like... And now he, all of a sudden, from this life of superiority and power, we know, later on in chapter 4, we'll find this out, he's actually in prison as he's writing this. He's in prison for no good reason. What does he say? I rejoice. I rejoice. If there, is, if there is one thing, if there's one piece of evidence that we can walk away with, if there is one thing to say, yes, there is reason, there is, there is something going on so I can rejoice, it is the fact that Paul, who once lived in a life that everything went his way, is now rejoicing more than ever when nothing is going his way. Well, actually, by nothing going his way, everything actually is going his way because his way has become no longer his way, but the way of God. Everything went right for him. Everything's going wrong for him. And where do we find him rejoicing? Right here. This is our first piece of evidence that something, something, that there is evidence for us to rejoice and have victory today, not just waiting down the road. And he's doing it all for the sake of you and for me. He isn't trying to sound more pious. He isn't saying, woe is me and all of my struggles. He isn't trying to compare, saying, well, my struggles are better than yours. No, 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 no. Paul is saying, I am suffering and I am rejoicing. The suffering that I am walking through is nothing compared to the goodness of God's salvation in my life. And it says, hey, I'm, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Well, what does that mean? Didn't Christ already die for us? Didn't he do the most of it? Absolutely. Christ's afflictions are what give us salvation. It's because of what Christ went through that you and I have access to God himself. And Paul comes in, he's like, look, look, Christ died. And because of his death and resurrection, you have salvation. I now, I am suffering to demonstrate to you how great that salvation is when it's fully understood. 
It's not that Paul's suffering allows us to have salvation. No, 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 no. It's that when he is rejoicing despite the suffering, you and I watch his life as a living example to see how great God's salvation is. And it's so great that he finds reason to rejoice even in the suffering. And he's a servant by the commission of God to make sure that the word of God is fully understood to you and to me. So this is where it begins, right here. Friends, victory today. Paul is finding reason to rejoice because of the word of God that was given to him. And now he's making it fully known to you and to me. This is where victory begins. Paul wants us to get to the point in time to where we too can rejoice when we are in prison. Even the weakest of individuals can praise when everything is going right. True victory isn't in having everything go right. True victory is had when we can still rejoice when nothing is going right. This is where Paul wants to get us. He's rejoicing in the suffering. He wants us to be able to rejoice when our life is hitting the fan. It's amazing because I I think, I mean... Paul is doing the same exact thing that my dad did with me when he came to help me with the water pipe. My dad didn't get down in the cross space with me. My dad didn't just come to say, hey, everything's going to be okay. Man, that's the worst thing you could tell someone who's walking through a storm. Everything's going to be okay. No, no. When? When is it going to be okay? I don't want to hear it's going to be okay. Just tell me when. I'm tired. I need it to be done. All of a sudden, my dad comes, and he doesn't just tell me it's going to be okay. He's like, hey, Ace is open, man. Yes. And not only does he tell me Ace is going to be open, he comes to help make me calm, to help show me not only is there a solution, but, hey, stop identifying with the problem right before you. Stop thinking only about the thing right before you. Understand and recognize there is something greater to be had. Paul comes into the Colossians. He's like, hey, 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 don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Yeah, everything's going to be okay, but it's more than that. It's more than that. Here, here's how we get there. And in the same way that I was able to celebrate the fact that Ace was open, we too get to celebrate because we know a solution is on the way. And it begins with understanding the word of God. So again, I I ask the question, is there victory for us today? And you're wondering, well, where is my victory? My first question is, where is Jesus in your life? Where is the word of God in your life? Now, again, I'm not naive. I've been through seasons of of loneliness and anxiety and and, and wondering, when is this season going to end? And I'm diving into scripture. Look, it's not going to... But it's understanding that as I'm walking through this season, God is moving. I'm discovering more and more and more of who God is in my life. I don't have to identify with the broken pipe. I identify with the fact that Ace is open. That my God is there. And it begins right here. So our first piece of evidence for today is that Paul is finding a reason to rejoice even in the storm. In the Colossian church, they would have looked at Paul and they would have understood that he was experiencing a greater and deeper victory than they were. 
And it was Paul's life that was serving to be the example to show them there is victory in the now. Our second piece of evidence, going back, verse 26. So we've understood that Paul, his mission is to make the word of God understood in its fullness. But the word of God in verse 26 is called this, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does this mean? What does it mean that Christ is in us, the hope of glory? What does it mean that this mystery has now been revealed? Friends, first and so, this is the second piece of evidence that we have. First and foremost, there's reason to rejoice because Paul is rejoicing. Secondly, all of a sudden we're told that, hey, this mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, it is now being revealed. We have reason to rejoice because what was sought after for so long is now being disclosed to anybody who would go looking for it. The Lord's people, anybody who is seeking truth, true truth, true, true, true truth, anybody who's looking for sincere truth, when you go looking, you will find, man, that is reason to rejoice. This is a part of the victory. Yes and amen. We get something that people had been looking for for centuries. This is reason to rejoice. And what is it telling us? What is this mystery revealing? God. God is explicit revealing, explicitly revealing himself to the whole world in a way that he has never done before. I, sorry that we have never understood before. God has always been revealing himself, but for the first time it is being disclosed to all of us as to what this is about. God is explicit revealing himself so that we would understand him or at least begin to understand him. The riches and the understanding of who God is in our life. And then we have this saying, Christ in us. This mystery, understanding the fullness of God. What, what is it disclosing? It's disclosing that if you and I have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just some distant thing, but that he is, in fact, within us. And this is the hope of glory. Well, what in the world does that mean? Hope of glory. Man, if that is a Christianese sentence, that is it right there. If I were to ask anybody, if a five-year-old came and asked me, what in the world does the hope of glory mean? Well, friends, so often uh, we like to think that well, let me just say this, the hope of glory, glory being the presence of God in our lives. Is there anything more radical? Is there anything more powerful than understanding that when we begin to dive into our Christian walk, God is not just in our lives, but he is the glory of everything. The, the very God that created the universe, that placed the stars in the sky is within us. So that all of a sudden we have an eternal hope of God's presence continually growing in us now. Even when our life is hitting the fan, our hope is knowing that God's glory continues to increase in our lives. As I was panicking because I didn't want to tell my wife that I broke a water pipe. That uh, we had no running water to our house. My dad reminded me, yes, that Ace was still hoping. So all of a sudden, here's what happened. 
my hope went from all of a sudden me trying to figure out a prob- uh, an answer to the problem. My hope then went from me to Ace. I began, I went from identifying myself only with the problem in front of me to identifying myself, yep, there it is. This is the solution right here. And so Paul is coming in and in the Colossian church, they're walking through this broken water pipe of a life. And he's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. This isn't about you. This isn't about you fixing anything. This isn't about how you can come up with the pithy phrase or, or the next step solution or quick, uh, get rich quick scheme. Paul is saying, God is in you. You have an eternal, unconditional ace that is always open. Why are you panicking? Why are you freaking out? It is right there beside you, right there within you. My dad's presence served simply as a reminder that as long as I identified with the problem, there went my hope. But as if I identified with somebody who was greater than me, then my hope remained no longer on me, but what was on greater than me. And Christ is our eternal and spiritual source of hope. He is our hope of glory. There are some of us that will walk through dark seasons, tough times. And as long as we identify with those seasons, as long as we identify with those particularly difficult times, there goes our hope. If all we can see before us is the thing that is causing us distress, then that is the place where our hope will go. But if our eyes are fixated and focused on what God is doing in our lives, if we are realizing that even in this dark time, this confusing time, this time of, I don't know how to navigate through these waters, that God is growing and he is working, then all of a sudden my hope is also growing and working, understanding that God is doing a work even now. And our knowledge of ACE continues to increase. I went there for one part, and guess what? As I continue to go back and back and back, my knowledge of it becomes greater and greater and greater. The more and more that we rely on Christ and Christ in us, then the way that we navigate through difficult waters becomes more accessible. And so all of a sudden we recognize this mystery that's been revealed. Jesus Christ within us. This is the second piece of evidence. It's God's saturating presence in our lives. Not just victory in the waiting, but victory in the now. Paul rejoices in prison. Evidence number one. A mystery has been revealed. Christ in us. Evidence number two. But there's still a third piece of the evidence. He's all of a sudden we've been talking about, yes, we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. We've had this one-off encounter with him, but isn't there still something more? Where is true, great victory discovered for the today, for the present? How do we begin to experience this in our lives? Continue with me, verse 27. Sorry, verse 28. So we understand now that Christ in us, this is the mystery that's being revealed. And he continues in verse 28 saying, He, Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Friends, yes, we have faith in Jesus. And that's a wonderful thing. That cannot be understated. Do not mishear me. Do not go out and say, faith in Jesus means nothing to Justin. No, that's not what I'm saying. Faith in Jesus is everything. But the one-off encounters are not where 
God's grace ends. Yeah, you may have prayed the prayer once. Yeah, you may have been baptized once. Yes, you may have taken communion last month. But Paul says here that he strenuously contends with the energy that Christ powerfully works within him. Not so that we can pray a prayer, but for what? That we might be fully mature in Christ. Because right now, you and I, unlike the thief on the cross beside Jesus, he had that one-off encounter, that faith placed in Jesus right then and there, that's what got him into heaven, all because of Jesus' death. But guess what? None of us right here right now are on the cross beside Jesus, which means that we have hours before us to demonstrate God's goodness and God's grace to those around us. But the only way we can truly do this is if we are growing in him continuously. Victory in Jesus today is found when we are fully mature in him. But let's be honest, there's never a point in time to where we can ever truly be the fullest mature possible. There's never a point in time to where you've saturated yourself with God's goodness. In every season of life that you walk in, good or bad, it's an opportunity for God to demonstrate his grace to you. Time and time and time and time Again, as you continually dive into scripture, yes, you may not understand it. You may not under, have any idea of what's going on. But we're told that this seeing, this scripture, the word of God is living and active. And every time that we encounter it, it is chiseling away at who we are, making us more and more like Jesus so that each and every day we can find more and more reason to rejoice. So that even if we are in prison for no good reason, we can still sing God is good. But how many of us can actually do that? How many of us can actually truly step back and say in this whatever season of life that we are walking in, that we have reason to rejoice? You might be thinking, Justin, man, who do you think you are? You're still in the honeymoon phase of your marriage. What do you know? You're probably right. What do I know? My job isn't to tell you what I know. My job is to show you the evidence that there is reason to rejoice regardless of the season that you are in. Because that's what scripture says. And so if you're wondering, if we are wondering, friends, I too wonder, is there, is there more to this? But this isn't a discouraging thing. This is an encouraging thing. Because as long as we are asking the question, it means that there's more victory to be had. There's more victory to be discovered. There's more victory. Yes, your day when you got baptized your day when you first took communion, your day when you prayed that prayer, yes and amen, that is a great day, but guess what? It doesn't end there. There's a victory to be had each and every day that is greater than the last so that we can use the words of Paul and say, I rejoice. He isn't in the grime with them in this moment, but he comes up just like my dad does and says, the pleasure is mine. If I can use my life to demonstrate to you the goodness of God, then the pleasure is mine. If I can be in prison for one day longer just to demonstrate to you how powerful the goodness of God is in my life, then the pleasure is mine. So that when our life has the water pipe broken and it's either flooding or leaking or whatever, he can say, I have been there. I know what it's like, but guess what? All throughout that, I experienced the goodness of God. Let me help you navigate these Waters. Some of you right now are walking through seasons 
uncharted waters in your life and anybody else's life. And you're crying out and you're wondering, how in the world do we get through this? Friends, I am begging you. I am exhorting you. Do not balk at the opportunity to discover the deeper, greater victory of God's love in that. My water pipe was broken. I went to Ace. I had that one-off encounter with Ace. I came back. Everything's fixed. But guess what? Inevitably, I'm going to make another mistake. And I can't just look to my wife, Emily, and say, hey, I fixed the last one. I'm good. That's not going to be good enough. She's going to expect me to walk my butt right back to Ace and get to know it a little bit more. Find the part that I need. And hopefully, after 50 years of marriage, I know Ace like the back of my hand so that when my kids then come to me, I can walk their butts into Ace and say, here's what you need. Friends, this is our spiritual walks. You're walking through a tough season. Friends, I beg you, walk to the deepest, darkest corner of Ace hardware of your spiritual life and discover how great God's love is. So that when your kids walk through it, which they inevitably will, you will know exactly what they're walking through. And you can help them discover as a means of discipleship the deepest, greatest, most stabilizing victory and love of God they have ever seen. Because you didn't balk at the opportunity to discover God's love. That went deeper than just a one-off encounter. Friends, there is reason to rejoice. There is evidence of victory. And it is available to us today. Someone say amen, please. Thank you. And Paul gives us three bits of evidence right here. But friends, it only comes through application. We can't get mature by, I don't care how good or bad my preaching is or Ben's preaching or Dave's preaching or who's ever preached, who cares? One hour on a Sunday does not grow mature the Christian. It's when we fully understand the word of God. And yeah, right now, you might be thinking to yourself, it's, it's not helping me right now. Uh, friends, you're looking, you're looking at the wrong things. Stop looking at the physical. Stop understand, start understanding the spiritual. Understanding that God's presence, the hope of glory is growing and you growing more and more and more mature. God's presence, God's glory is saturating you. And you can never be filled up. There's always room, there's always space for God's goodness to enter more into your life. Friends, it was never about it was never about is there victory today? <laughs> That's never actually the question. The question is do we want it badly enough? Paul is using words the entire time. Be patient, have endurance, be stable and steadfast. Do not shift from the hope of the gospel that you once heard. The question is is not, is it available? It's whether we want it badly or enough or not. Will we go walking into the darkest, deepest recesses of whatever season of life we're walking in to discover God's love in a completely new way? This is good news because each and every day victory is available. So we praise God. We find reason to rejoice. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. God, you have given us reason to rejoice. And so, Father, I ask for your encouragement. I ask for your boldness. I ask for your, your steadfastness in my life. That as we go about our days, I would never forget of what you're doing in my life. Knowing that it is good.
that your glory is saturating me each and every day. God, remind me that there's always reason to rejoice. Help me to walk through the darkest, deepest corners that this life has for me so I can discover the new face of your love. God, I ask for courage and boldness from each of these individuals. I pray that you'd be a shield around them. Be the source of strength. Be the lifter of their heads. Go before them and may all things be held together in you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Discover the greater, the better victory. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.